Good morning. So good to be with you on this Lord's Day that we are also recognizing as Mother's Day. And so we want to find a text of Scripture this morning that I think relates very well to what we're covering this morning. So I'd love for you now to take your Bibles and turn with me towards 2 Timothy in your Newer Testament. 2 Timothy. And we're going to be exploring together in chapter 1, verse 3 down through verse 7 as well as chapter 3, 14 through uh, 17. And as I'm prone to say, sometimes when you're getting there, if you're having trouble finding 2 Timothy, it's right after 1 Timothy, okay? <laughs> so now you found your way. Always want to be of help to you. So we are going to pick it up now in verse 3 of this uh, first chapter, 2 Timothy. And here now you and I find these words. It's a multi-generational teaching you're about to explore. Check it out with me. I thank God whom I serve as I as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, on your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. If you flipped over a page or two in your Bible, you would find these words in chapter 3 of verse 14. But as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture <clears throat> is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So we're going to be looking at these verses this morning. We're going to be asking that God in a very powerful way express himself through his word to you, to me. And the result is we're going to be further along on the spiritual spectrum which means that some come to faith in Jesus Christ, whether it be present to one of these services this morning or on live stream and welcome, or else we are growing in faith. We've already known Christ as Lord and Savior, and we know it's our purpose, our mission, to multiply others, followers of Christ Jesus. Let's look to our Lord in prayer. So, Father, you know the needs of this hour. Yes, it's Mother's Day in this nation, it's Lord's Day, day in, day out. 
It's yours. And what we want to do now is to invest time in your word and allow for your word to be invested within our hearts and our minds and our souls. We want to work out what you work in. Now, Father, you know the needs that are here. We in this congregation are across the spectrum. All kinds of life experiences, all kinds of ages, all kinds of family dynamics. We've been through hard times and good times. We've seen the realm of what it means to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. We want to make certain that all have put faith in the one who came into this world to die for our sins. Stir hearts. So if there is any online right now or in the days to come, weeks to come, viewing this, any in the services this morning that are processing your word and how it relates to their lives, that are spiritually aware, religiously engaged, but still have not come to saving faith, now's the time. Now's the time for them to put faith and trust in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. And Father, for all who do know you, all who love you, I pray now we embrace our purpose, not merely to add, that's to multiply followers of Christ Jesus. Warm these hearts, engage these minds, shape these wills. We've come here now to see Jesus, him only. Praying these things still again now in Jesus' name. Amen. Memories. It's the theme of this passage. You'll see it stated in various ways and various derivatives in this, these verses. Remember, that's exactly what a neighbor of Ethel Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy's wife did. She remembered. She remembered a particular experience. She had firsthand opportunity to observe where photographers appeared on scene at Hyannisport, snapping pictures of Ethel, Mother of the Year Award. And while the pictures were being snapped and her neighbor was looking on, simultaneously, three of Ethel's kids were on the roof trying to lasso the chimney. And the neighbor wondered why they didn't turn the camera on the fiasco on the roof, stay focused upon the mother below. She penned her thoughts years later, the neighbor did, remembering the experience. Down below you see the mother of the year, while partway up in the sky, her kids are playing cowboy with a chimney. And then she adds, Reality and the appearances of it are not always one and the same. Some things get excluded, like cowboys lassoing chimneys on a roof when it comes to focusing upon the matters of mothers and family. But when you take the sum total of what family life is all about, there's a whole lot more to life that's not always seen on Instagram, not always picked up on Facebook, 
And the result is you turn to God's word, and there's where you gain insight for modern-day living, which is what we're doing this morning. Because we're going to be exploring now the idea of creating memories, the memory that uh, a multi-generational ministry unfolded in the heart, the mind, the soul, a young man by the name of Timothy, and Paul remembers. So what I want to do with you this morning, I'm going to treat this more as a simple devotional. We're going to draw out what I'll call two devotional thoughts with regard to remembrance. And the first, well, comes out of verses 3 down through verse 7 of the first chapter. We're going to pen it like this. That as you and I, as we honor our mothers, take time now to remember. The model of biblical faith is seen by us. Because we're watching. We're observing. We take it in. And maybe your mother is no longer with you. And now you are left with memories but you've got a model by which you can now take the memories and turn them into ministries for the next generations. Whether you have children of your own, whether you are mentoring students in the youth group, shaping lives in Awana, Christian Ed, nephews, nieces. As we honor our mothers, take time to remember the model of biblical faith as seen by us. You pick it up with me in verse 3. Paul, right now, as memories seem to be conquering his, his situation, finds himself in the maritime prison, most likely in Rome. It's the second time he's been incarcerated there. There would be a, a small opening in the ceiling, allowing for light to penetrate into his dungeon setting, air to circulate within that setting, And now Paul is thinking about multi-generational impact of full-spectrum discipleship. I thank God whom I serve, because he doesn't have anybody else around him at this moment in this setting, but he is still serving God even in his most extreme moments. What I want to say to you this morning is that you can always serve God and it doesn't have to be the best situation to find yourself in. He doesn't say, I served God, past tense. In the aloneness of his imprisonment, he is thinking about the way in which he can disciple, mentor, shape this young man. He's a pastor, this young man is in Ephesus, modern Turkey. I thank God whom I serve. But now notice the multi-generational invasion of thought processes taking place within the mindset of the Apostle Paul. What does he do at this point? Before he gets to Timothy's heritage, he thinks of his own. I thank God whom I serve, present tense, as did my ancestors, past tense. And so now he has the opportunity to begin to think about the way in which all those prior to him had put their faith and trust, in their case, in Messiah, who is still to come. 
based upon the promise that God had delivered in the Old Testament. And now he has had the privilege of encountering the risen Savior on the road to Damascus, multiplying committed followers of Jesus Christ. And now, even within this setting, his aloneness in this dungeon, with a bit of light shedding insight, and air minimized circulating within his setting, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors, and he's thinking about Adam and Eve, and he's thinking about King David. He's thinking about the extraordinary writings of Isaiah, as did my ancestors. And then he adds this, with a clear conscience. And where does that come from? An encounter with Jesus Christ. You see, on the road to Damascus in prior years, he was religious, but he was a religious unbeliever. And he was persecuting people that were known at that time as the way we would refer to as Christians. But on the road to Damascus, he encountered the risen Savior Christ Jesus. And saved by grace through faith in the finished work of Christ Jesus on the cross, validated by being raised from the grave, he can now say, because of that faith placed in Christ, I have a clear conscience. And so now, in his extraordinarily extreme moments, he does not waste his time. Even in solitude, he invests his time. As I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day, his very little in terms of stimulation, external stimulation, but he's got God. And he's got God in the midst of his confined space. And he is serving God in his extreme moments. And he's not wasting time in the extremes. He's investing times. As should you, as should I. And so now, he's thinking. He's thinking multi-generational. And so for a second time in this section, you're up to verse 4, he adds, As I remember your tears, probably at the time in which there was a departure, made its way ultimately to Rome. So I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. And now for a third time, a derivative of the idea of remembering appears in verse 5, I am reminded. But what I want you to now spot with me at this moment is that there is a multi-generational influence of faith that has pressed itself upon, upon Timothy, and Paul is recognizing that as a fact. As Paul has reviewed his own experience with prior generations impacting him, now he transfers that in his prayer life to the way in which he is praying for this one he has discipled. I'll take the sum total of verse 5 and then break it down. 
I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For the third time now, you've got a reminder. One in three, one in four, one in five. Something has stood out. He doesn't have the, the external stimulation, but he does have memories. And what we have to do is to create memories that will be turned into ministries for people, even in their most extreme moments, so that they in turn, even in their challenging times, can minister to other people effectively and faithfully. And here's Paul, and he's one-on-one with God in the hard times of life. And he's thinking about the multi-generational effect of mothers upon the life of a man that he had discipled by the name of Timothy. So he starts with Timothy. He's writing to Timothy. Maybe this will be read out loud by the elders in the church of Ephesus so they get a better sense of this young pastor and what he's all about. It is a pastoral epistle, you know. I'm reminded of your sincere faith. And I'm fascinated by that word, aren't you? Because in the Latin, sincere carries with it the idea of without wax. In other words, if you are If you're touring in Italy at some point and you are looking at pottery and they're known for pottery among other things and linen and so on, the pottery, you hold it up to the light. And if there are no cracks in the pottery, most likely then there will be a sign over the potter's front door of his pottery that reads, Sincera, no wax. There's no filler in your faith, Timothy. It's authentic. It's real. You've been put together by grace. Some of us need to understand that. It's a faith that's meant to be genuine, a faith that's meant to be authentic, a faith that's meant to be real and dynamic, even in the midst of anything that you've gone through in the trials, challenges of life. I'm reminded of your... Not merely faith. It's a sincere faith. It's gripped him. But now he he steps back. He starts to think multi-generational. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. And you spot that word dwelt that appears not once but twice in this uh, verse. And throughout your New Testament, what you will find is that the word dwelt comes from a Greek word, to tabernacle. In other words, because of putting faith and trust in Christ Jesus, God tabernacles within you. The tabernacle in the Old Testament was the place where God's presence was sensed, established visibly. And now he's saying, I want to take you into the interior of your life. I want you to understand what God is doing. And notice here that this multi-generational impact is such that faith is a dynamic. 
dwell first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Now I'm sure dwells in you as well. The dwelling place. Elizabeth Elliot recalls a story about her mother where a talented woman was asked by a friend, why have you never written a book? Writing too, was the quiet reply. I've been engaged in one for about 10 years, the other five. Surprised, said the friend, what kind of works? Not sure yet, said the woman. But when he makes up his jewels, my great ambition is to find them there. Oh, you're talking your children. Yes, she said. My two children. They're my life's work. And so for a mother, we had six. We six were her life's work. And interestingly, she asked. She asked for no other. In other words, what we see here is someone who realized this is work. This isn't play. And so when you allow for your thought processes to go back over prior generations, effective motherhood, this is not a playground. All at the young stages of childhood, there are play toys all around. But this is work, and you know it. And you take them through the years, and sometimes you find yourself emotionally spent. And there are times where they, in their adult years, continuously have you on your knees. My mother, um, who's with the Lord, had what she called her prayer rug. And uh, it was made by uh, my father's mother for her. And it was a reminder that it would be positioned next to the bed. And when she was about to get into bed, she would have to step on that rug, which means it was time to be kneeling on that rug and praying for her children, you see. We need those kinds of reminders that one generation provides for the next. Paul is praying. Mothers who are with Jesus were praying for you. Mothers in this extended congregation pray not only for their children, but for each other's children. Intercessory prayer, you see. There's a Lois. There's a Eunice. And out of all this now, here comes Timothy. And he's the investment of it all. It's the whole matter of shaping a life, you see. And a friend of mine, classmate of mine, Dale Hansen Bork, would add to that from one of her chapters, Long-Term Investments, on the whole matter of being a mother. She writes, we were five minutes into a five-hour flight. Now, she's in my age group, but back then she said, my 18-month-old son had already grown bored with all of his toys. Scattering the contents of my purse, he deftly dismantled the entire plane's interior, in my estimation when suddenly his attention was focused on the woman in the seat next to mine who was about to put on her earphones and she and he grabbed for the headset and he made an attempt to restrain him. I made an attempt to restrain him. 
And then he shouted out, you never let me have any fun. Oh, man, motherhood, you see. Work in the midst of play. And the woman next to her smiled. I love the way the two of you interacted, she said. And slowly began to tell her story. Her parents had divorced when she was an infant. Father too busy with his career to visit. Mother eventually became an alcoholic. Unable to care for her children, the woman was forced to give them over to the state to be sent to foster homes. You foster parents, listen to this. The young woman's childhood had been a jumble of experiences. Shuttled from one home to another. Mistreated, abused. Reminded she really didn't belong by some. And by the time she was 15, she was withdrawn. She was sullen. But then she entered a home that was different. A home marked by people who loved Jesus. Given a room of her own. Her foster mother bought her nice clothes, told her how, how attractive she looked. And slowly she won the girl's trust, gave back compassion, the loving discipline that had been missing in this girl's life. Ten years later, this girl was now sitting next to me on this airplane, looking the epitome of success. The fact that I am normal at all is because of a particular woman who cared enough to love a troublemaker and bring me to Jesus. She told me with tears in her eyes. Well, I thought of that foster mother, wondered where she'd found the courage to take in that teenager, the strength to love her, the humility to invest hours in a cause that would earn her no awards. Recognition must be very special, I said. Almost a superhuman grace to accomplish such a miracle. Dale then looked at her child from a different perspective. Now the pace of motherhood often frustrated my work ethic. There is play. For me there was work. How to merge this. The story I had just heard reminded me that many of life's most valuable investments have much more long-term returns. And then an italicized sentence still ended with this prayer. Please, God, as I walked off the airplane, don't let me settle for achievements when I could help shape a life. Now the extraordinary thing about this multi-generational emphasis that Paul is bringing in the midst of his own extreme setting, the maritime prison of Rome, awaiting his final days, decided upon by the emperor. He's thinking about the way in which life is being shaped. And you might say, well, Gary, I'm at a point where children are, are grown. Or another might say, it seems as though the children have walked from, away from the Lord. You are still being given opportunity to shape a life. 
you've got texts. There's Instagram, there's Facebook, and on and on it goes. Don't waste social media. Invest social media. Use it as a means towards a God-honoring goal of shaping lives. And out of all this, then, the Apostle Paul would add in verse 6, and here is still another from the derivative of the idea of, of remembering for this reason. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying out of my hands. He might be talking about the gift of pastor teacher as pastor of the church in Ephesus. In other words, what he is saying, God is the source here. God struck the original match. God invested spiritual gifting into you, Timothy. And now what the parrot has the opportunity to do is to analyze, evaluate the various giftings of each child. No two are exactly the same. And you draw out the gifting. You affirm them. And out of the gifting then, you give them a sense of direction. It seems as though God created you for this particular gifting. Here's some various ways where you might be able to use that for God's glory. And there is where direction begins to unfold. When you understand the connection between the giftings and the passions of the individual as it relates to ministry present and onward, you see, into the future. And I want to say to the single dads this morning, you got double duty and now you've got to take some of this on Mother's Day and figure out how to craft this in a way in which the, the principles of the Lois and Eunice get shaped through your own touch into this child's life. And I would say to the single mom this morning, I don't see any statement here about Timothy's dad. The emphasis is upon Lois, grandmother, Eunice, mother, we're told, as you see in our insert this morning, that Timothy's father was of Greek heritage, but his mother, grandmother, of course, Jewish, they had put faith and trust in Messiah, Christ Jesus. And now it's opportunity likewise, you see, for Timothy to embrace this fact. And so Paul is now saying, fan the flame. It's your responsibility. The original match, set fan what's been put in you. Take the gifting and develop your passions, but turn now this into true-blooded ministry that impacts others. And Timothy reads this and says, and he can say this about me while he's in his own extreme setting? It's the stuff of life. So you check out verse 7. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, and Timothy would say, if anybody had reason to fear, it's my father in the faith, Paul. But here's your threefold. Power. Greek word dunamis, we get dynamite from. Constructive, not destructive. Power. Love. The kind of love shown at the cross of Christ Jesus. Self-control. Not a life that's out of control. As we honor our mothers, we take time to remember. We remember the model of biblical faith seen by us. But you're flipping, aren't you? You 
flipping over to chapter 3, verse 14 through 17. And here is your second reminder as we're honoring our mothers, whether it be a memory of those no longer with us or those present. Take time, furthermore, not only pertaining to the model of biblical faith, but also the ministry of biblical teachings as instilled within us. So now, in verse 14, I'm speaking ideally here because perhaps some of us didn't have this privilege of having someone invest within our lives at an early stage. But now is as good a time. Invest in that Awana child. Invest in that neighbor's child. But invest, don't waste. He gets personal. The Bible's got a way of doing that to us, you know. He pulls out a, but as for you, and now Timothy's saying, what is he about to say to me? Continue. To make this a past tense experience with Jesus. Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. He knows who he's talking about. He's talking about his, his mom, talking about his grandmom. And perhaps if Paul and Timothy had opportunity to listen into this podcast from the Federalist, there is a conversation happening between Carrie Gress and Noel Merring of Theology of the Home. And Merring says the home impacts the future society, but also just the human beings that we're having to lead the next generations. And then I've got this in quotes. The eternal life and the interior life of those souls is actually where all of the other things emanate from, either for better or for worse, she said. In our case, our capacity as women to affect the culture and society in ways that are extraordinarily powerful starts in the home. And now Paul has wisely from his maritime cell drawn Timothy to that, that place where, where teaching was getting worked out. And devotions in the home life can be messy. And people may or may not be paying attention. But you're pouring in, praying that someday it'll get poured out into the lives of others because the parent is responsible for inculcating that sense of full-spectrum discipleship, that sense of multiplying committed followers of Jesus Christ. So, Timothy, here you have in verse 15, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And all they had was the Older Testament, so how could he be made wise with regard to this whole matter of salvation? Well, Lois, well, Eunice, 
would have been able to teach from Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will bruise your head. You shall bruise his heel. Timothy. Talking about Jesus. Maybe they led him onwards in their devotions, their teachings. Psalm 22, verse 1, Older Testament. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Timothy. He built a bridge into the present, talking about Jesus. And onwards, you see, into Isaiah chapter 53, surely he has borne all griefs, he has carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for iniquities, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of his awe what the theologians call a substitutionary atonement. You can almost hear Lois and Eunice saying, substitutionary atonement, Timothy, you see. He died for you so that you could live for him as the ladies in the podcast would nod their heads. It's all messy, but you keep working with the mess of life and you keep pressing faith into it all and so here you have it now you're up to verse 16 and there you will find these extraordinary words that have been memorized by believers through the centuries all scripture not some scripture all scripture is breathed out by God pause there you're dealing with the breath of God You're working with eternal truth. You're dealing with things that matter most, not opinions, eternal truths. This is why we go verse by verse, week by week, year by year. Great expositor G. Campbell Morgan had four sons, all who became pastors, youngest Howard, very gifted. Once took his father's place, this side of the Atlantic, while Dr. Morgan was back in London. And someone came into a room after a particular service when the family was there, thinking to find out what Howard was made of, asked this question, Howard, who's the greatest expositor of the Bible in your family? His father was present, renowned, and without a moment's hesitation, he said, my mother. You see, sometimes men and women who never stand in front of others expound the greatest of the messages by simply teaching it in the home and living it out, the word of God in daily life. It's breathed out by God. But here now, in your parenting, I want you to know how profitable this is. It's profitable, number one, for teaching. There's a positive balanced by a negative for reproof. Then he flips it, starts with a negative and goes to a positive for correction, for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be equipped for every good work, may be complete, equipped for every good work. And uh, moms have a way of making it fun as well. This is no dry lecture around the table. 
Shannon Bream would teach us that. Shannon Bream, of course, newscaster for Fox News. Gone to law school. Understands and speaks primarily on matters pertaining to the Supreme Court. Recalls a time in her childhood experience where in the, in the teenage years, you know, how do you deal with it when your mother is also your substitute teacher in high school? Your mom's cool. The reigning sophomore hunk said to me when our teacher broke the news that my mom got hired to take her place while she was on maternity leave. Uh, I stammered. Even back then, I knew the wisdom of managing expectations. Trust me. Trust me, Shannon Bream says. The tension ratcheted up another level when mom showed up to class one day dressed as Madonna. Let me pause to say, if you don't know who Madonna is, as all fathers in this congregation would say, go ask your mother. Okay. Day before the superstar had graced the cover of Time magazine, and I distinctly remember discussing her celebrity status on our drive home from school, making the mistake of saying to my mom, wouldn't it be awesome to be her just for one day? Mom was horrified, both by Madonna's existence and the fact that her daughter would aspire to be like her. And so to hammer home the most embarrassing object lesson in history known to humankind, mom came in the next day to my high school class as the material girl. <laughs> and I recall a lacy headband, lots of bracelets and eyeliner, and a lecture punctuated with an overdose of like, grody, and for sure, and I can only thank God she didn't actually burst out into a chorus of, forgive me for saying this, like a virgin, unquote. <laughs> but then, but then, when I got home, I began to laugh. And my mother began to laugh as we began to talk about life and what matters most. My mom taught me to love God and respect myself, to question anyone who would ask me to sacrifice my integrity, God had someone just amazing out there, just waiting for me. And so it ministered to my heart to hear her say again and again, you're worth it. You're worth it. She taught me what matters most. And so you here you have it. And that the man of God, or might we add, the woman of God, he was writing, of course, to Timothy, may be complete, not partial, complete. Equipped, you see, not for some work. You are equipping them for every good work in this broken world. You put it all together. And now you've got authentic, sincere faith. You live for Jesus. Let's stand together. So, Father, for some of us, self-included, life's no, mother's no longer with us, home with you. For others, they're weighing the responsibilities of motherhood, grandmotherhood. 
majority of people in this congregation are not mothers. There's men, there's children, there's teenagers. Women who have not had children. There's a heavy responsibility tied to this. We have to see the multi-generational impact and perhaps how the prayers of a mother or a great-grandmother have influenced why we are where we are at this particular moment in time, doing what we're doing. And so, Father, we want to now pull together all the prayers that have taken place through the years for each person present in this building over the course of the morning hours, live stream today over the course of the weeks to come, and pray over the one that that mother, grandmother, great-grandmother had prayed for. Praying now if there are any that do not yet know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I want to seize the prayers now of the prior generations of prayers. Now, Father, break in. And may they put faith and trust in Christ Jesus as Savior and Lord. Do it now. And Father, for all who love you, know you, have had the privilege, Father, of seeing how this has gotten worked out in their own life experience. May they take what's here, multiply followers of Jesus Christ, invest in others, even in their own extremely challenging moments, all for your glory, and we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.